Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Hello, I just want to let you know that the following is recorded at Amazing Grace Spiritual Center in Ballard of Washington, Seattle, Washington. And so it doesn't sound like a typical podcast, but it's an important topic. And instead of me re-recording the information, I'm just going to publish my talk. Hope you enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Imagine that you are sitting by a lake probably a small lake, Green Lake, Bitter Lake, Holler Lake, up in the mountains. It's still, you can see the reflection on the other side. And where you're sitting, where your bottom meets the ground, there's a little tiny rock. Just a little one, but it's enough to make a difference in how you feel. So you take the rock, and you throw it into the lake. Now that rock, it's so small, it's maybe pea-sized, has very little impact in the lake, but it begins to ripple out in every direction. And that irritant to you, that you then threw out into the world, is rippling out until it meets resistance. And that's a little bit like our thoughts, our actions, our words, whether they are words of peace or words of misalignment or negativity or something we don't like. So today I talk about nonviolence, and I'm talking about it through an empathetic stance. So um, our, our our deeper needs and intentions and how we express ourselves. Do we express ourselves in compassion and understanding or do we express ourselves through something less than? I'm not necessarily gonna say negative or positive, but something that doesn't feel good. There's things that feel good and and help raise the entire world and there's things that don't feel good and help bring the world down a little bit. Mother Teresa says, we don't need guns and bombs to bring peace. We need love and compassion. Let us always meet each other with a smile for the smile is the beginning of love.
And that's like the ripple. A smile begets a smile, begets a smile. A frown can beget a frown, and violence begets violence. One of the first things I want to talk about is words and how our words, our intentions, our expectations impact us and the world around us. Words are powerful. And I'm sure that's no, um, not new news to you that words are very powerful. But I'm going to use a little story from my animal communication. So I talk to animals, I listen to animals, and one of the reasons that words are so powerful, not only for ourselves and other people, but for animals around the world, is because of what we do when we say or think of words. They create pictures, they create emotions sometimes. And that's what gets conveyed, that's what gets presented out into the world, is those pictures. So as we learn in this philosophy, we want to always say what we want and not what we don't want. Because we can't negate a picture. I can't say, I don't want to be in debt, because the picture being created is being in debt, right? Or the, the idea is, the concept is being in debt. So sometimes a client will call me and they'll, they'll say, my dog is pottying on the living room carpet and I don't want them to do that anymore. And so one of the first things I, I tell people to do is, first of all, always talk out loud to your animals because that's how they understand. Always talk out loud to your animals because it helps you formulate what you want for them and they help understand the expectations. Who in here, by the way, has animals in their lives, in their houses? Yeah, there's a few of you, right. <clears throat> so always talk out loud to them. Always say what you want and not what you don't want. So I, I tell the client, okay, what do you want? You don't want them to potty on the carpet, but don't say that anymore. What do you want? Well, I want them to go outside. I want them to keep the carpet clean, you know. I want them to go in the litter box. I want them to go on the puppy training pad, whatever it is. So that works for a while. And then they call me back and they say, it's not working anymore. And I say, okay, and I talk to the animal and um, the animal is like, well, that's what she wants me to do. That's what the expectation is. So I ask the person, okay, you might be saying potty outside, keep the rug clean. But when you're walking down the hallway and you're about to enter the living room, in your mind, what do you see on the rug? Do you see a clean rug or do you see a soiled rug? And I know because the dog has already told me it's the expectation that they're expecting a soiled rug because the animals are picking up on that. And I want you to know that this, um, this language that I can communicate to animals in is of course universal across all animals. We are animals. They are animals. Something that we have done, many of you still do, and you know you do, but a lot of people forget that we're born with this ability to communicate this way. Because we're all energy. Everything is energy. And we're just little bodies of energy bumping into each other and sharing things without even realizing it sometimes. So words are powerful. 
And the words we use, if they're violent but words or um, words that bring us down, words that make us feel bad, or words that make us feel good, make a difference, and they make a difference to us and to those around us. For me, it's kind of a no-brainer to, to think that um, there should be like a... a um, We should speak, think, act with compassion and understanding in a nonviolent way with, with, with everything because of the oneness of life, the connectedness of all life. We are all connected, and what we put out there comes back to us. So if we're putting out there into the world words and thoughts and intentions that bring us down, it's going to circulate in the world and it's going to come back to us. Every group that we are a part of has its own consciousness and vibration. So in this center right now, in this church right now, we have our own consciousness, we have our own vibration. And if you hang out here long enough with everyone else here in this consciousness, you're gonna be the average of this consciousness. And when you go home or when you go to work, or when you go to your family house, when you go to the shopping mall, whatever groups you're a part of, you have this group consciousness. And essentially you're feeding into it and you're getting back from it. And you become the average. You've probably heard that you are the average of the five friends you hang out with. And I fully believe that. So Rupert Sheldrake, my favorite scientist, he talks about, and I'm going to just kind of paraphrase what he talks about here. He talks about morphic fields, which are a, um, a field of, of possibility, but they're fields of um, patterns and, and ideas and feelings that exist outside of us, and they enter us through our energetic um, points in the body, like our chakras, for example. So our, the archetype patterns come to us that way. But also these morphic fields are very similar to what I was saying, that the group consciousness, that we get the average back. We feed into a certain field. We feed into a certain vibration or a certain consciousness, and we get the average back. So if we're all connected, it would benefit us to be putting our best selves out there for the rest of everyone and us. And it's not just humans. It's the non-human animals as well. They are also a part of this collective consciousness. They have pain. They have souls. They have purpose. And anything that leads to um, thinking they are different than us, I mean, they are different than us. Language, I think, is one of the biggest barriers to understanding animals because we can't sit and have a conversation with a giraffe, you know? But if you could, you would find out they have a lot of the same ambitions and desires and feelings that we have. But the thing about the animals, so there's no division. Division is an illusion. 
And the thing about about a lot of these animals is they they live nonviolence. So I go to Kenya, I take people on 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 safaris, and I know a lot of you have connections in Kenya because of your service project. So that's that's a similarity here. We have this you know Kenya consciousness here, but um, they they are nonviolent by nature. So yes, they kill. Yes, they protect their territory. Yes, they defend their families, but they're not just acting out of a grudge. They're not being violent for no reason. They're not being violent because someone said something about them. I, 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 I'm not even sure I would call it violence. Yes, lions attack animals and they, they eat them. And, and that's part of the, just the natural scheme of life. I'm not even sure that would be considered violence. It's certainly not um, people taking a gun somewhere and shooting up other people for various reasons. <clears throat> and then so many of the animals don't even, they exhibit compassion and understanding just by nature. So the bonobos um, chimpanzees, for example, they're in central Africa, like in the Congo, they don't, they don't use aggression to solve conflict. They use play. That's how they resolve conflict. Dolphins rarely have conflict because they play all the time. Elephants um, are very compassionate and understanding and, in fact, there was a video about um, a, a baby rhinoceros that got stuck in the mud. And the rhinoceros family had left it. And the, from what I understand, I didn't see the, the video, but Marilyn shared it with me. But um, the elephants came to get the baby out of, of the mud that was stuck. The elephants are pretty good at that with their tusks. So they are very compassionate, not only for their own herd, but for the others around them, their community around them. Giraffes, wildebeests, and zebras travel together often. I usually know if I see a giraffe, I'm going to see a wildebeest and a zebra shortly because they use each other's gifts to move forward and thrive. That The giraffes have a distant vision so they can see predators from far away. The, the zebras are very short. And they can see uh, predators that are close by, hiding in the bushes. And the wildebeests have a great um, sense of smell and can smell them. So the zebras and giraffes know if the wildebeests are leaving, then they need to leave. If the giraffes are leaving, the other two herds need to leave. They travel together and they help each other. Many human rights activists, uh, Coretta Scott King, Rosa Parks, Cesar Chavez, Gandhi, also became animal rights activists, or at least vegetarians, because they understood compassionate living and nonviolence is not limited to any one species. It's not limited to any one species. 
I believe, in my experience, and I probably didn't believe this before I started communicating and connecting with animals, but they, um, they have souls. They are also, so people talk about us being spiritual beings in human outfits. Animals are spiritual beings in animal outfits. There's not, in, in the greater connectedness of light, there's, there is no division. And if we think about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you know, what are you doing? How are you acting towards others? And so now I'm referring to people and animals, to everyone. What are you putting out there into the general, the general pond for it to come back to you? When you're throwing that, that rock out, and it ripples back to you. What's coming back to you? What are you throwing out there and what's coming back to you? So how, how can we um, change? What can we do on a daily basis to be aware of you know, our part in peace and nonviolence for the world and for ourselves? So I'm going to talk about three ways that we can actually, you know, be mindful of it, pay attention to it. As soon as I get there. Uh, so one is mindful communication. Uh, but first of all, let me, let me read you a quote from Ernest Holmes. We must think peace if we wish to express peace. The mind that is always confused and distraught is not at peace. The mind that is continuously upset and agitated by the little petty things of life is not at peace. It is at war with itself. It is only when the individual mind ceases combating itself that it will stop combating others. So there are dozens of ways to, to practice nonviolence in our personal lives. So as I said, let me just give you three, though, three things that, that we can do. Mindful communication. So one of the basic ideas of nonviolent communication is to strive to communicate with empathy and compassion. Listen actively and try to understand the perspective of others before responding. Avoid aggressive and harmful language and express yourself honestly and respectfully. So I think one of those, um, you know, listen actively and try to understand the perspective of others. I'm reminded of a TED talk I watched one time where the woman was talking about how to act interested during a conversation you're having. She's like, be interested. <laughs> Actually listen to them. Don't be formulating your response on their first uh, statement and not even hear the next five statements. So actually be interested and actively listening. Avoid aggressive and harmful language. So as I, as I mentioned, words are important. Um, if you have not recently or ever read the domestication chapter in um, 
the four agreements. I highly recommend it because he, in it, he talks about just how important our words affect others, and especially young people. I noticed the other day, when I was young, in my childhood home, we had the, the kitchen sink, a window, um, cupboards and cupboards, and there was a clock up here. And then the remodel happened when I was about 12, and, and we didn't have that anymore. But still, today, when I go into a house that has a kitchen, sink, window, cupboard, cupboard, I look for the clock. Because it's just so ingrained in us when we're young. Words, habits, these are these things that we're dealing with the rest of our lives. So be very aware of the words you're using, especially with young people, but for yourself too. Everything is going into the general fund and coming back to you. Um, two, so first was mindful communication. Second thing is self-reflection and awareness. So regularly take time to reflect on your thoughts and your emotions. Recognize any negative patterns or triggers that may lead to negative thoughts or actions. And I think it's a great thing to do at night, you know, if, if you can only do it once a day, as part of a forgiveness practice, perhaps. But at least a reflection of your day. It's where have I been negative? Where have I acted out? And what could I do differently? Is there anything that I should have done differently, I could do differently the next time. You know, the, the sooner you can recognize it and break a habit, or the sooner you recognize it, you know, as you're, when you're breaking a habit, it gets shorter and shorter the time you realize what you're doing until you finally don't have it anymore. And then the last thing is personal mindfulness and meditation. So engaging in a mindfulness practice and meditation helps create inner peace, patience. You don't necessarily have to do it at the beginning of the day, but it's a great way to start the day, to start with this stable base of peace. And then as things fall apart during the day, it's much easier to connect back with this stable base that you have of peace. And if you're not a meditator, um, you can start how I started. I, I don't meditate for 30, 60 minutes a day. I just do what I need to do. And it can be five to 30 minutes, it just depends. But when I first started, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do anything. So I started, I'll preface this by saying I had, my kids were already gone, but I had animals that bothered me. I, if I went to try to do it in the living room, I had dogs and cats that would bother me. So when they did not bother me was when I was getting ready for work. When I was sitting down at my makeup table, putting on my, my makeup and doing my hair, they knew to leave me alone because I was not going to get up and help them. I was getting ready for work. So when I realized they left me alone, I, would, I started sitting there for an additional two minutes. I would close my eyes. I would sit up straight, take a deep breath, and just sit there and watch my breath for two minutes. And eventually it got longer, and eventually I could go out to the living room and sit somewhere else. But 
you know, just start where you need to start. Maybe it's in the car before you go to work. Maybe it's on the bus. Maybe it's in the bathroom, wherever it has to be. Someplace you're sitting down, you can just get quiet for a minute. So those are my, my three uh, tips today. So mindful communication, self-reflection and awareness, and personal mindfulness and meditation. And with that, let's take this into prayer. And if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. But take a deep breath in and take it into this area we call our, our heart area, our heart chakra, or the space of our heart. And in that heart, we know that the energy exceeds outside of our body. HeartMath Institute has proved the energy exceeds our body, our physical body. And can you feel some kind of love inside that area as you breathe into it? Just take a moment, breathe that in. And as you breathe out, perhaps the love comes from you into the world, your ripple out into the world to the greater consciousness and vibration. Feel the warmth in that space where love exists. And because I know that there is love and peace in everyone, love and peace is one of our divine birthrights. It is a crystal that is in inside every living being. It's inside me, it's inside you. It's inside every person out on the street in Seattle. And maybe we haven't felt it for a while. So take a moment and just feel, is there love and peace inside you? Because I know it's there. Can you feel it enough to let it express into the world around you? Because as we express this, this love, this peace, that everything is going to be okay somehow, sometime, this connection of everything, this oneness, when we know our love and peace, we raise the vibration for others to help them know theirs. And it might express through us as kindness, as compassion, as generosity. We each express our love and peace in different ways. It might be service. It might be making food for others. It might be giving them clothes. We express these also different ways. The animals express love and peace as their divine birthright as their natural being in the world. It's already expressed. They don't even have to think about it. They're always connected 
with their divine. I am grateful to know that this is the truth of every single being in this room, of every single being out there in our community and out there in the world. Because knowing this is the divine truth of everyone, I know that there is a more peaceful, more loving world in front of us. I know that it's possible. And I know that we can do as the best we can do and we will do the best we can. And I am grateful for that. And as I turn this over into the creative law, knowing it's already done, knowing that we have nothing more to do but to express our inner peace and love for this to manifest into the world before us. And for that, I am grateful. And I say amen, and so it is. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.